When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates North Park, Illinois. The following is a presentation of the Houston Sports Network from Learfield IMG College. On the Houston Sports Network from Learfield IMG College, welcome to the Kelvin Sampson Show. In the next hour, Kelvin Sampson will break down the previous week and look ahead to what's next for the Cougs. The Kelvin Sampson Show is brought to you by... Bud Light. Whenever there's a game to watch, there's a Bud Light there. Now, alongside Coach Sampson, here's the voice of Cougars basketball, Jeremy Branham. Welcome into the Kelvin Sampson Show. Hello, everybody. Alongside the head coach of the Houston Cougars, Kelvin Sampson, I'm Jeremy Branham. Cougars 18-3 on the season, 12-3 in conference play after splitting their two games last week. Cougars enter this week 10th in the nation in the coaches' poll and number 12 in the AP. Coach, how's it going tonight? Well, we didn't have practice today, so um, I was, uh, the West Kentucky game uh, last week when we uh, scheduled it, uh, originally it was on Wednesday, but uh, um, ESPN uh, decided to do the game, so it got moved from Wednesday to Thursday. When it got moved to Thursday, that allowed us to uh, give them a day off, which we needed. You know, that last week was just, uh, was just tough with, um, you know, the weather and Kids being without power, um, not being able to get to our offices because no water, no power. You know, we're bouncing back and forth, uh, trying to figure out how we can feed our kids. Uh, even the day we left, um, you know, we had to, um, uh, coaches or players couldn't be in our locker room. We had to go over to Fertitta. And then um, the biggest issue, though, was just feeding them, you know, finding a grocery store that was open, a restaurant that was open. So um, Alan Bishop found a, uh, a restaurant. He was able to grab some sandwiches uh, so our kids could eat before they got on the plane. But then once we got to uh, uh, Wichita, you know, there's so much. Uh, you know, I was on the phone with uh, uh, my wife because of the, uh, you know, we didn't have any water at our house. And uh, Kellen's family had no power or water. Lauren had no power or water. So... We were kind of just um, uh, trying to get through that period, as was 
most everybody here in Southeast Texas. It, it was just a tough time uh, for us. And then um, uh, the plane that was supposed to pick us up, I can't remember where it was coming from, but it couldn't get out because of ice. And so they had to send another plane for us. So that trip, that trip uh, got off to kind of a uh, tough start and then uh, ended up worse. I heard that, I believe that you were the first Texas team to, to resume play after the hard freeze kind of wiped out the, the state of Texas. And I was curious, you know, you, you look at it from your point of view and seeing the team and what your coaching staff experienced. What was your, I guess, 20,000-mile view or just kind of what happened to the entire city and the state? Well, your heart goes out to everybody. I mean, I read where uh, families were out in their trucks and cars, uh, cars running, heater on blast just to stay warm. And you hear, hear about people dying of uh, carbon, monoxide, carbon monoxide poisoning. And then um, one um, uh, older um, lady and her dog froze to death in there. I mean, it's just, just heartbreaking, heartbreaking story after story. And, and then with the power grid uh, that we had, um, you know, you just kind of wish it could have been different. And um, so we didn't have to go without power. But, um, you know, when it gets down to 14 degrees, that's pretty cold. Um, I coached in Montana, Milwaukee, uh, East Lansing, Michigan, and Pullman, Washington. So if you live in those areas, 14 degrees may not be bad, but that's that's there. You know, here, 14 degrees is the coldest I've seen it in uh, the 10 years I've lived in, uh, uh, almost 10 years I've lived in uh, Houston, I've never seen it that cold. So, um, you know, taking my dog out, my dog wouldn't even go out. <laughs> so it, it was just a tough time. Perspective is, you know, we lost a basketball game, but you had other people losing their lives because of the weather. Yeah, tough week to, to play a game, and you did have to play the game. And as you mentioned, the Wichita State, you fall 68-63. to 63. What were some of the takeaways you had whenever you reviewed film of that game? Well, I didn't have to review the film on that one. I, you know, I was a um, – uh, right there in the collision course of it. You know, for us to be a, the kind of team we want to be, we have to have high energy. You know, you, you don't casually get a rebound or casually get a loose ball or casually get out and run. I mean, everything has to be purposeful. Um, one of the things that hurt us, we got up 28-16-12, then we got up 30-19. Um, and um, right before that, Dejan picked his second foul up, so he... I don't think he played the last nine minutes of the first half. And then Justin Gorham picked up his second foul. Obviously, Fabian, Fabian we decided that we would we'd try to work him in. Little did I know I was going to have to work him in that early. Um, but he actually did okay. He's just so far away from being in game shape right now. But, um, but you know, give Wichita State credit. When I say they hit some tough shots, some of those shots, I'm glad we didn't foul them. But that backcourt they have is is terrific. Altariq Gilbert's a senior, started at Connecticut for uh, three years, McDonald's All-American. Tysie Ntien uh, and Justin Gorham, I think, are the two most improved players in the conference. Uh, he's definitely a first-team all-conference player. Then Dexter Dennis, uh, a lot of people thought he would be Wichita State's best player last year. So we lost a game, but we also lost to a good team. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they play good. And, and that was the first time we played on a court that had a home court advantage because I think they had 5,500 fans in that place, and that roundhouse gets loud. Uh, now, we've played well in there in the past, but um, um, and the other night we had a chance to win. It, it, with everything that, that seemingly uh, went against us, uh, namely them just making so many tough threes, you know, they missed a free throw. We That was very fortuitous for that. And then uh, we just couldn't stand prosperity. We just gave it right back to them. Um, and then lost our composure a little bit, which is uh, uncharacteristic for us. But that happens, you know. So um, congratulations to Wichita State. And uh, we just move on down the road and get ready for the next one. Quentin Grimes said after the, the game against Cincinnati, they were asking him to go back to that trip against Wichita State, and they said that you guys were watching film uh, past midnight once you, you got back into town. Yep, that's what he said. Wearing the uh, the towel, the, the John Thompson towel, you did it twice this week, uh, first against Wichita State, then against Cincinnati, uh, paying homage to the, the legendary coach. What, what was that like for you? I know that uh, that's somebody that you, you look yeah. up to in the coaching business. He was really good to me when I was a young coach. You know, being a minority coach, um, you always pull for other minority coaches to do well because, you know, 
Uh, there's just not a lot of us. Uh, but John Thompson took time out. I think we were in New Orleans at the Final Four. Don't remember what year. My first year as a head coach at Washington State was the 87-88 season. I was 31 years old. But um, after we started having success, um, you know, he would um, see me on the road, always uh, pat me on the back or uh, shake my hand, tell me what a good job I was doing. And that, that, you know, just melted my heart when Big John would say something like that because I always looked up to him. But uh, it was, I was at Oklahoma, and um, I can't remember which job. There were two or three jobs that, that were, the schools were um, – that I was offered chances to leave Oklahoma, but I always chose to stay. And uh, it was after one particular school. I can't remember which one it is. But um, – he started talking to me about contractual things, specific things that I should have in my contract. And um, he, he pulled me to a table where it was just he and I, and he, he told me three important things that I wrote down. And, and uh, I think I've had seven coaches um, that have been head coaches. And um, now some of these things you can't get in your, even ask for unless you're really successful. Um, but I always keep those in my back pocket for my guys for them to um, um, make sure that, you know, through their representation or agent that they get those in their uh, contracts. But Big John was really, really uh, good to me about that. Um, John Thompson, John Chaney, uh, Nolan Richardson, Clem Haskins, those were the most successful black coaches uh, when I was coming up. Um, but John was the standard bearer. You know, he was he won a national championship. Then, then after that, Nolan won a national championship. Uh, John Chaney never got to a Final Four, but um, he was a guy that uh, represented everybody. He was everybody. He was a coach's coach. But uh, Big John Thompson, you know, he was a uh, stalwart. You know, he fought. He fought for the little man. He fought for uh, African American uh, high school kids um, because the SAT um, college entrance exam disproportionately was um, uh, precious toward. Black kids, uh, because of the uh, kind of um, uh, preparation they got, those were tough tests, uh, especially if you didn't have uh, good schools that you were coming through. So to say you can't get in school because of this test score, there's uh, no way to measure whether a kid can be successful or graduate from college. Uh, there's been people in uh, Fortune 500 companies or uh, went on to become outstanding doctors or lawyers that didn't do very well on standardized tests. So the fact that you're telling young people that they can't get in college or you can't be successful based on a standardized test score was, um, um, you know, just had racial undertones because of uh, disproportionately how it affected uh, African-American kids. But we knew that. that. That was not an opinion. It was a fact. But John Thompson walked off the court during a basketball game uh, to protest that. Now, not many people would do that. Not many people could do that, but he did. So he was always somebody we held in high esteem, uh, tremendous respect. And, um, uh, and, and, the, and the coach that really stood by him um, was Dean Smith, who at the time was the head coach at North Carolina. Because uh, in his own way, he protested. He supported Coach Thompson. And Coach Thompson needed that. Um, but he was a shining light for coaches of all, all races and uh, extremely tough, smart, intelligent, uh, 1988 Olympic coach, national championship coach, um, took in kids farm-wide, different backgrounds, um, but he turned those kids into men, which is what coaches' uh, responsibilities are. An icon of the game. We're just getting started on the Kelvin Sampson Show. If you have a question for Coach, you can tweet us at our Bud Light inbox. Tweet us at UH Cougar MBK. Whenever there's a game to watch, there's a Bud Light there. We look back at the Cincinnati game next. You listen to the Kelvin Sampson Show from Learfield IMG College. Houston, here's your chance to be a part of one of the most exciting and entertaining college basketball programs in the country. Don't miss out on being in the Fertitta Center for the 21-22 season. For only $75, you can get on the Houston Cougars basketball season ticket priority waitlist. Lock in your seats before season tickets sell out once again. Call 713-GO-COOGS or online at uhcougars.com slash mbb waitlist to make your deposit today. We are Houston. 
Welcome back into the Kelvin Sampson Show alongside the head coach of the Houston Cougars, Kelvin Sampson. I'm Jeremy Branham. Kelvin Sampson Show brought to you in part by Ambetter from Superior Health Plan. My better is health care coverage that gives you more. Count on Ambetter for affordable health insurance with the benefits you need. It's affordable, and they also have a rewards program. Visit betteristx.com to learn more. Uh, coach, the game you played yesterday, Cincinnati, 90-52 to uh, victory in that one. I imagine you were pleased with the, uh, the bounce-back win against the Bearcats yesterday in dominating fashion. Well, I was pleased with our preparation our attitude. Um, there's two things in your life that you have complete control over. Um, your attitude and your effort. Your attitude controls your effort. Uh, I didn't think we had uh, the right attitude um, in any of our, in any of our, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm going to take the first one away to Tulsa. That, that was COVID. You know, nobody knows what we were going through at that time, but us. Uh, so but I, I know that's all that matters. But but the East Carolina and the Wichita State game, when you, you look at those two games, our preparation, our lead, player leadership, our ability to uh, compete and fight versus yesterday. You know, you know, we haven't lost a lot around here. Um, you know, I think in the last four years, we've lost seven, four, eight, and now three. You know, when you compare that to uh, 27, 33, 23, and now 18, you know, that's percentage-wise, that's pretty good. But when we lose a game, you know, you, I take it personal, and I want our players to take it personal. But they're going to get their, you know, they're going to get take their cue from me. So, um, you know, when we we have a game like that, you never prepare for it. Sometimes you get ambushed by it. Sometimes you're surprised by it. But uh, I just like the way we prepared for Cincinnati. Um, didn't our scout reports weren't any different? The way we prepared the team any different? The only difference was their attitudes were better. Uh, especially Dejan Giroux. Um, but we made some, twer- you know, we tweaked some things. And he, you have to do that as the season goes on. You know, a coach always have, has his uh, uh, finger on the pulse of his team. How, how, how do we get better? What can I do to make us better? Um, so we, we tweaked a few things. Um, that didn't mean it was going to work. You know, I've tweaked some things in the past over the last 30 years and didn't work. Um, some things do, some things don't. But it works because of the players, not because of the coach. One of the, the things that you tweaked at the start of the game, everybody can see the starting lineup, of course. Reggie Chaney inserted into the starting lineup. First time you've tweaked the starting five in a while. What would you like about that change? I just thought we got off to a uh, really good start in the second half. You know, um, where Bryson has, has let down. You know, you think about Chris Harris last year at the five spot versus Bryson this year. Uh, uh Chris had a great senior year. You know, most of our seniors have had great senior years. Nurizana, Wes Van Beck, Damian Dotson, uh, Rob Gray, Corey, uh, Galen, Devin Davis, uh, Chris. Uh, you go down the list. Uh, Bryson hasn't had a great senior year. and um, um, But so in this COVID year, you don't judge people, um, Especially when you don't know what they're going through, I think Brian, I think this COVID thing has bothered him more than anybody else, because um, Bryson's a very analytical, thinking, introspective young man. Um, the George Floyd thing impacted him tremendously. Um, things that goes on in the world impacts him. So, from a mental standpoint, uh, um, uh, Bryson tends to want to solve a lot of uh, issues, and I think it's carried over to his play. Um, you know, what we do is we're very patient. We, we allow kids to work through things. We support them. We love them. Um, but just because they play poorly doesn't mean that uh, we don't love them. But we have to understand why. But at the same time, you have to you have a responsibility to your team. Uh, and I thought that uh, injecting a little more energy, especially on pick and rolls, uh, keeping balls alive on the glass, uh, being physical in the post, uh, staying home and not wandering around trying to uh, solve everybody's problem on the floor. Um, I thought Reggie would do those things. Um, uh, when Bryson's playing at a high level, we're better with him in the, in the uh, lineup. There's no question about that. Um, but I thought, you know, Bryson blocked five shots the last two games. His verticality is, is an uh, issue at the rim. You know, he's done a great job of doing those things. But, uh, you know, it's just flying around being aggressive. We'd like for him to do a little bit better. And I thought Reggie was uh, okay. But 
I think our best lineup yesterday probably was when Fabian and Justin was in there at the same time, and we just haven't had a lot of time to practice that one. Wanted to ask you, of course, about Fabian White. Uh, just his second game that he played in yesterday, almost finished with a double-double, 10 points, 9 rebounds, less than nine months uh, after tearing his ACL. And I wanted to ask you first just the, the process of him tearing the ACL, the communication that he had with the coaching staff, you know, announcing that he wanted to come back eventually, and then the hard work to, to get to where he's at right now. Well, <clears throat> uh, success has many fathers. Um, defeat is an orphan. You know, when things don't go good, you don't see very many people want to step up and uh, take credit for that. It usually falls uh, on uh, um, an empty neighborhood. But there's a lot of people that deserve credit for Fabian. Number one, Fabian. You know, Fabian is, uh, has, has worked tirelessly uh, with John Houston and uh, Alan Bishop and Kellen. Those three guys, uh, uh, John from a rehab standpoint, Alan from a um, just conditioning, and then Kellen basketball. Um, but the last last month, you could see him. And once he got cleared, uh, John said, you know, I can't remember what day it was a couple of weeks ago. He said, you know, if he gets through uh, this appointment with Dr. Lowe and they clear him, we're going to let him start doing four on four. Then he went back to his last appointment uh, with the doctor and they allowed him to go full blast. And once he went full blast, it's almost like um, um, riding a racehorse. You had to pull him back a little bit because he, he wanted to go, you know, but it's, it's you know, it's a marathon. You know, it's <laughs> not a 50 yard sprint. You know, let's just take it day by day and see. He probably could have come back a week earlier. But I purposely just slow played it. But, you know, I, uh, um, Fabian's mother and father, uh, they get it. Their parents didn't understand. Um, and, and they had to sign off on it, too, because we didn't we didn't push it, didn't ask him. I never talked to him about coming back. I purposely did not. If he wanted to come back, I, I wanted that to be his decision with his doctor and um, his parents. But they were on board. Uh, his father called me and asked me what I thought. I said, my my thought process is um, um, see what Fabian thinks. You know, I, I don't make those decisions. I don't offer an opinion. You know, my, my thought was is that, you know, that family knows what's going on. Uh, and they'll make the right decision. Fabian had a uh, broken bone in his foot uh, two summers ago didn't come back to the night we played Oregon. Didn't play practice or play up until that point. Um, and he gradually got better and, and went on to have a, a pretty good year. But, um, you know, Fabian will be back next year. You know, you always, we're always planning a nucleus. Like our nucleus next year will be Fabian, Marcus Sasser, uh, Tremont Mark. Then after that, we'll have uh, Jamal, uh, Jamal Shedd, J1 Roberts, uh, Reggie Cheney. Um, I know I'm missing somebody, uh, Cam. So, be a, you know, we've got a lot of really good players coming back. But uh, everything Fabian does from this point forward is just a blessing because I, I, I assumed he wouldn't come back. I didn't know that for sure, I, but I assumed he wouldn't. But the fact that he is is, uh, you know, we're playing with house money with him. I know you've reminded uh, me that the last game he played in last season, 18 points, 14 rebounds against Precious Achua, who was a first-rounder out of Memphis. What, what kind of player are you getting for the rest of the season? Just have to wait and see. Yeah. You know, you have to, to wait and see. You know, I don't, I don't deal with uh, hearsay or speculation or what-ifs. Um, I thought he made progress in the f first game to the uh, – I thought he was just okay against Wichita State. But being okay is probably great. And then uh, yesterday he was better. Um, you know, we gave him the day off. And then we'll see how he is uh, Tuesday and uh, Wednesday and see how he is on uh, Thursday. I just go day to day with kids that's coming back from injuries. All right, we're going to take a quick break on the Kelvin Sampson Show. Play more to come. Keep it here as you listen from Learfield IMG College. Hey, Cook fans, it's Jeremy Branham telling you that your favorite stories in Houston athletics go well beyond just here. Subscribe to Cook's Corner wherever you get your podcast. I'll have conversations that extend beyond the field of competition and play on the court. Current coaches, players, and legendary figures of Houston's past. Profiles of individuals and teams. 
Search Coop's Corner on Apple, Google, Stitcher, or Spotify. Welcome back to the Kelvin Sampson Show. Here again, the voice of Cougars basketball, Jeremy Branham. Back on the Kelvin Sampson Show alongside the head coach, Kelvin Sampson. I'm Jeremy Branham. Thanks for tuning in this evening. Coach, uh, a little bit more on the, the Cincinnati game. Trayvon Mark uh, off the bench, uh, using him a little bit to initiate the offense. Really something you've been doing since the Our Lady of the Lake game. Uh, what would you think of his play yesterday, and how, how much do you like him in that role offensively? I thought he was better on defense than he was offense. Um you know, one of the things that keeps certain guys off the floor is not their offense, it's their defense. You know, um, people pay money to go watch a basketball game. They're not watching guys guard or paying to watch guys guard or watch guys get on the floor after lose balls or rebound. But if you don't do that, you're not going to win. <laughs> you know, that's a uh, big reason why we've won so many games have been as successful as we have been. We've been pretty good in those areas. But the thing I liked about Tremont yesterday was that he didn't take a shot until after he had three defensive rebounds. And obviously that was a huge point of emphasis in practice uh, after the uh, Wichita game is that our guards have to rebound. You know, if you're going to stand out there and just watch, you might as well go sit in the stands and pay um, pay $5 and get you some popcorn and some uh, breast guys tea and just watch the game. You know, if you're going to be out there and play, ball hits the rim. You know, only way, the only way that you're going to run is get the rebound. You know, uh, you don't just – you know, if you're taking the ball at the net a lot, uh, teams get back. It's like t- the hardest teams in our league to run on are the teams that don't send anybody to the offensive boards. They sure. send everybody back. Tulane's a good example of that. You know, Tulane doesn't give up a lot of easy baskets uh, because uh, as soon as somebody shoots it, four guys are sprinting back. So you say, why didn't you run more tonight? Well, here's why, you know. You know and, but, you know, you, you, I, I don't spend time trying to explain that kind of stuff, but – uh, Cincinnati did send people to the boards. Um, Wichita State sent people to the offensive boards. The problem was is they impacted us with tips. We didn't get any clean rebounds. You know, the rebounds basically even. You know, uh, te- a lot of teams hang their hat on out-rebounding us, but we've won games being out-rebounded. Because we out-rebound somebody, we're not guaranteed to win. Just like if we get out – if, if uh, we get – out-rebounded or we out-rebound somebody, there's no guarantee either way. But the thing I liked about yesterday was that um, uh, in the Wichita State game, the reason why that was such a um, um, half-court sumo wrestling match is that um, the two guys that have to rebound for us absolutely is uh, Dejan and uh, uh, Quentin. You know, Damian Dotson led us in rebounding. Armani Brooks led us in rebounding. Nate Hinton led us in rebounding. Uh, uh, now, Devin Davis led us in rebounding one year, and Justin will lead us in rebounding this year. But most times, our leading rebounders are guards, and we have a system for that. We, we, we have a plan. didn't start this year. It started seven years ago. Um, now, sometimes you just start paying attention to something when you see it, but, you know, it's not an accident having guards um, lead us in rebounding. You know, our bigs have to block out. But blocking out's an attitude. We didn't do a very good job with their five the other night. You know, the Udesi kid dominated our five men uh, with his effort and his toughness. I didn't like that. Um, and because we, you know, he didn't get a lot of rebounds, but he kept them alive. And that kept uh, Quentin and uh, Dejan from getting them. You know, if we can get a clean defensive rebound from our guards, we can play east and west. The problem with fours and fives re- dominating the rebound is the balls, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, we can get north and south. The bigs, when the bigs get the rebound, it's eventually going to go east or west uh, to go north or south. So the um, closest point between um, uh, uh, two points is straight line, right? Correct. Well, straight lines, are gar- guards rebound, everything's a straight line. When the bigs rebound, it's it's kind of squiggly, <laughs> and so you you get you get to um, you get to point A a lot quicker when the guards rebound. And I explain that to him. Yeah, I, I walk him through it. I put it on the board. I support it with film. Everything a teacher would do, and uh, we've been really good at that. Uh, we weren't in that game, but we were outstanding uh, yesterday. You were telling me a little bit earlier on the TV show, too, that, you know, that's a correlation of possessions per game, and you want to get to about 70 possessions mm-hmm. per game. A lot of that's going to be dictated by opponent, but that's kind of the magic number somewhere in that area. Yeah, in a normal game. Yeah. Now, it's a lot easier to slow someone down than to just speed them up. 
you know, you can't, you know, against a team that's really trying to slow us down. So hard, like Tulsa's a hard team to speed up. Now, we've beaten Tulsa in the past, scoring a lot of points. That's because we made a lot of threes. But uh, Tulsa, after made baskets and after made free throws, they're going to get in a 2-2-1 or a 1-2-1-1 or a 1-2-2 uh, tempo press where they're going to force you to go sideline to sideline to sideline to sideline because they back up and don't put up pressure on you. They just force you to play laterally. Then once you get across half court, you look at the shot clock. You look at the shot clock, and it's about uh, 22. And then by the time you make your second pass, it's down to 16. So automatically you're playing a low-possession game because that's the other team's strategy. And you have to learn, and you have to, learn to win low-possession games. Um, um, but a team that does – like Cincinnati didn't tempo press us. You know, they played man-to-man. And, and so we were, we're going to look better against that than we do uh, a team that tempo pressed. Wichita State tempo pressed us. They tried to – they made an emphasis to slow us down with their press, and then their offensive rebounding was a factor. So um, the way we played yesterday, we can't play like that every game. We played like that because Cincinnati played a, a system or a style that allowed us to play that way. So for someone to make a um, – a mindless statement. Say, but if we could play like that every game, what if we play like that every game? We would. <laughs> you know, it's not like we, we don't want to play like that. The other team has a little something to do with it, too. One last uh, question about Cincinnati, Coach. Uh, the victory, 21 straight wins after a loss in the last four seasons. What, what does that say about the program as a whole? That we never lose two in a row. <laughs> I think that's the, that's the biggest thing. Um, but, you know, the longer – a staff's at a school. The thing I've noticed, Jeremy, is people just take it for granted. Mm-hmm. You know, you, f- you forget what it was like before it happened. You know, you understand how unique it is to go four years without winning two in a row. I, you know, it's like a random statement that there's nobody in America has done that but the University of Houston. You know, but that's why, that's why uh, you know, people get tired of coaching staff sometimes because they want a new trick. You know, going to the tournament may not be enough anymore. We want Sweet 16. Sweet 16 may not be enough. We want Final Four. And then, well, we got to get somebody here and get us to the Final Four. And they forget where they came from. I don't forget where we come from. And I know how uh, unbelievable not losing two in a row in four years is. Yeah, it's quite the number, no doubt about it. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll return more of the Kelvin Sampson Show from Learfield IMG College. This hoops season, the Cougs giving a whole new meaning to H-Town. Grimes going to launch the three. Got his ass into the hoop. He's fouled. Gets it to fall. First layup off the glass for two. Kayla Mills putting on a show. The love for Gresham who hammers it home. Listen to Cougars basketball all season long on your home for the Cougs. The Houston Sports Network. You're getting the inside scoop on Cougars basketball with the head coach, Kelvin Sampson. Let's rejoin Jeremy Branham. Welcome back into the Kelvin Sampson Show. Alongside Kelvin Sampson, I'm Jeremy Branham. Kelvin Sampson Show brought to you in part by the Joint Chiropractic. Life moves until back, neck, or shoulder pain brings us to a stop. That's why there's the Joint Chiropractic, the official chiropractor of the University of Houston Athletics. To receive our $29 new patient special, visit thejoint.com today. We'll get into some of the fan questions in our Bud Light inbox in just a bit. Coach, I wanted to go back to, to something you said a little bit earlier about uh, the game in Wichita with the, the fans inside the roundhouse and how it was a true home court advantage. Your team's won 20 straight at the Fertitta Center, and you've been winning home games for a long time. How is home court advantage, or is there much of an advantage, whenever you talk about this season in 2020-21? Yeah, there can be an advantage, especially in the situation we were in the other night because I thought uh, uh, Coach Brown and uh, his staff did a great job getting those kids ready to play. And Wichita State has great fans anyway. Um, you know, since we moved into the Fertitta Center, you know, uh, for five years in the um, um, Huffines, I never felt like we had an advantage based on what I saw at other schools. You know, you know we had a low bar as far as what we thought an advantage was because we'd never seen it. Um, but Wichita State's got one of the great home court advantages in America. Um, so does Cincinnati. 
Um, but so does University of Houston with the Fertitta Center. Since we moved in there, that's a tough place to play. I, I, I would stack our, our home court as advantage against anybody in um, uh, our conference. Um, you know, I've coached at Arizona in their heyday when Lute Olson was there. Mikel Center was unbelievable. Uh, I think I went to the uh, Allen Field House at Kansas 12, 12 times um, at, uh, in that league, uh, t- uh, 12 straight years for sure. Um, not a lot of great home court advantages in the Big 12. But the two that jump out to me is Oklahoma State uh, when Coach Sutton was there at old Gallagher Iba. Don't remember much about. It. I don't remember the new place. The advantage there, so it must not have been great. But old Gallagher Iva was unique. Now those, those Cowboy fans were unbelievable, and so was um, Allen Fieldhouse at Kansas. That that place was terrific. The other one was Hearns, the Hearn Center when Norm Stewart was the coach at Missouri. Uh, we'd take teams in there, and they'd have sixteen thousand. That place Oof. was rocking. Um, but in this conference, in this conference, I think the. Um, uh, the, the best home court advantages are Wichita State. Uh, Wichita State, when we played at Connecticut last year, that, that place was unbelievable. Uh, Connecticut had great crowds. Um, which, uh, Wichita State's unbelievable. And um, um, who else did I say? But the uh, Fertitta Center. You know, I can't wait to get our fans back into Fertitta Center. I mean, that place is rocking. I, I, I hate it that Bryson and Dejon and Justin especially went through their entire senior season uh, without experiencing what, you know, Chris did last year and Galen, Corey, Breon did the previous year. Uh, Rob, Rob Gray had to, you know, he finished his senior year at Texas Southern. But it's, it's been a rocky road for some of these kids, but this year especially. That's why, the, and this COVID year, I can't tell you how proud I am of these kids. Um, um, no disappointments, um, no discouragements. Now, the fact that we played 21 games, I think is a, a miracle in itself. I never thought we'd get to 21 when I watched uh, all the uh, cancellations in football, because uh, that's the only thing we had to base it on, our only comparison. Um, Analysis was football, and, and you, you know the Big Ten didn't start until what the middle or late October, and you know we our our football team, uh, God bless them, had what five or six games postponed or canceled, and so I knew that this was this was going to be an experience for us, and it has been. It hasn't been easy. This is the most difficult year coaching a team that I've ever uh, experienced. Um, you know, the Western Kentucky game that we just added, had I not added that game, we would have played three games in almost 18 or 20, 21 days. 21 days. This time of year, you know, uh, we played South Florida on a Thursday. Didn't play again till the next Thursday against Wichita State. And we were booked to play again, um, not until the, um, I'm, I'm sorry, Thursday to the following Thursday and then to the following Sunday. Um, so, uh, I, I'm getting that mixed up. When, when was South Florida was a Thursday, I think. And then, uh, uh, we went from South Florida to yesterday, right? Yep. Uh, so Thursday to the following Sunday to the following Sunday was how it was. And that's, that's, you know, that's just screws up kids' heads because they want to play. You know, practice at some point can become counterproductive. You know, because that's all you're doing is practice, 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 practice. I mean, you know, we played yesterday. The game got over at 2 o'clock. So, basically, that's the day off because, you know, you're you're done at 2 o'clock. Um, our starters were probably done at one <laughs> one fifteen. That's true. Um, and so, you go from sa- uh, Sunday afternoon all the way to the following Sunday afternoon. So, you give a Monday off. What are you going to do, practice Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and let's play again on Sunday? No, you're not going to do that. You know, there's only so much you can do at practice. You know, Fabian doesn't need to practice. He yeah. needs to play in a game. Um, and our players need to play with him in a game. Um, Tremont's never played with Fabian. You know, um, think about the new guys uh, on this team. Reggie's never played with Fabian. So we, we just it's, it's one of those years where – you're starting and stopping, starting and stopping. And, um, 
you know, our, our COVID, our COVID uh, experience was December and early January. Um, I think, I don't think Tim Jankovic has coached the game since January. You know, uh, he, he didn't, the two men, I know they played the two Memphis games before they came here, but their assistant coach, I think coached all three of those. And I don't think they played since they, I think they played East Carolina right after they played us. Um, and they haven't played. East Carolina's been on pause. Memphis has been on pause. And you think about what that does to those kids. They, they're going to college. They're getting a degree. But they signed up to go play basketball. And they're not allowed to do it. And if you're on pause, that means that you, you can't even be with your coaches. And if you're in isolation, you're by yourself. And, and that, those are the, those are the uh, experiences and situations that uh, – We've had to be get educated in, and um, I applaud the medical staff here at the University of Houston, namely John Houston and Dr. Lee. Dr. Lee and John Houston have been just awesome uh, answering questions because every question I ask is to benefit our players. I want to make sure I'm doing the right things to help them. Um, but there, there is there is no solution when you're playing three times in 21 days in the month of February. That's unheard. That's unheard of. You'd like to play. Uh, get in the routine where you're playing Thursday, Sunday, or Wednesday, Saturday. If you go Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday. Wednesday, Saturday is ideal because you can give them Sunday off and then start the week off the first day on Monday. Then you go Monday, Tuesday, play. Then you go Thursday, Friday, play. Off Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, play. That's a great rhythm to be in. The players know what Monday's practice is going to be like. They know what Tuesday practice is going to look like. Then, then the game Wednesday. Then they know what exactly what the Thursday practice is going to be like. And Friday, because it will be the same as Monday, Tuesday, getting ready for your next opponent. And here comes Sunday. So we just never, we've never been able to get in a rhythm. Uh, when I say we, I mean all the teams, all the um, uh, coaches, uh, you know, and, and after Baylor, after Baylor and um, uh, Gonzaga, you know, and Scott Drew's a good friend of mine, and and, and uh, he and I were texting the other night. And it, it's I can't remember what day. It's been like two and a half weeks since they played a game. Yeah. And he's not sure when they're going to play again. Uh, so it's just it's just been a um, um, it's been an experience. We're going to step away for a moment. We come back. We'll dive into the next game for the Houston Cougars, which Western Kentucky, the opponent on Thursday, will also get to a question in our Bud Light inbox. You're listening to the Kelvin Sampson Show from Learfield IMG College. 68 teams, one program. March Madness is coming. Celebrate the return of the historic NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament with the official NCAA Men's Final Four Souvenir Program, featuring profiles on all 68 teams selected for the tournament. So take it to the basket, the shopping basket, by pre-ordering the official program now at publications.learfieldimgcollege.com. That's publications.learfieldimgcollege.com. Order today. Welcome back to the Kelvin Sampson Show. Here again, the voice of Cougars basketball, Jeremy Branham. Welcome back into the Kelvin Sampson Show with the head coach, Kelvin Sampson. I'm Jeremy Branham. Before we look ahead to the next game, I want to get one Bud Light inbox question in. It comes from Drew, and it kind of relates to what you were talking about with the more practices that you're having to do uh, with less games that you're playing. Drew asked, how are practices in February different than practices in November? Well, February practices, normally you're preparing for your next opponent, whereas in November you're preparing for the season. You're putting all your uh, defensive rules and uh, um, system in. Um, you know, we always play a scrimmage the last Saturday in October. So once we start practice, we're, we're usually using that as an aiming point, um, getting ready for the scrimmage. You know, what do we want the team to look like, you know? When I think of how I want my team to look like, um, and I used to do, literally do this, I just close my eyes and watch this on offense. I watch this on defense and say, "This is what I want this to look like," and this is why I don't want that to look like. And then uh, you, you you try to take your vision that you have for your team, then you break it down and 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 put it together in parts. You know, there's five people on the court. And there's two sides of the court, and there's also four quadrants. You know, you know, like we'd like to double the posts. Well, where where are you going to double at? You know, double the posts is like saying there's 50 states. Well, what 50? What are the 50 states? You know, which, which ones are in the west? Which ones in the east? Which ones in north? South? I mean, there's a lot more to it than just double the post. That was that was the case, and everybody would do it. But we have to teach that. We have to teach how to guard, pick and roll, uh, um, 
uh, defense versus pick and roll offense because colleges are becoming more pick and roll dominant. Uh, teams that like to play with the low post, we have to learn how to guard that. Teams that uh, um, ISO you and um, put their best offensive player on one side of the floor and drive it, we have to know where our help is. Who's the helper? You know, and if and if uh, the helper goes and gets beat, God forbid, then who's helping the helper? You know, there's a million things you have to work on in October and November. By the time you get to Christmas, you got a good feel for your team. Uh, this year, I, I, I'm i still trying to get a good feel for the team because we just added Fabian. You know, Tremont uh, is behind any freshman I've ever had, and it's because of COVID. Yeah. You know, he didn't get a June. He didn't get a July. He got an August. Nate Hinton, for instance, had June, July, August. September, October, November. Uh, um, Tremont started in November. Think about it. This this year has been. That's why for you know people don't know what they don't know. If you if you don't don't judge Tremont like you would Caleb Mills or or Nate or uh, Armani. Uh, those we we've had some really good freshmen come through here. Uh, Marcus, um, you know, in some ways, um, and it will be. Next year will be his freshman year. You know, uh, June, July, August, September are four critical months in our program because that's where we teach our culture. We, we didn't get a June. We didn't get a July, and we didn't get an August. You know, we started in September, then we had to shut down. Then we started again, then we shut down. You know, it was, it's just so it's, it's starting to stop, and that's why I'm surprised at the success we've had. You know, when you think about we lost Chris Harris, we lost Fabian, we lost Caleb Mills, and we lost Nate. We lost four starters from last year's team. And and these kids have picked up and plugged in. You know, we've plugged in this piece, this piece, this piece, this piece. And we're sitting here at 18 and 3. If you'd have told me that in October uh, or November, not October, November was October this year, that we'd be 18 and 3, I would have said, you talking about us? You know, <laughs> I just wouldn't have. But that's why I'm proud of this team. You know, have we lost some games we'd like to? You know, if, if we could miss, we could make every shot, never make a turnover, get every rebound, uh, run them down to score and score 100 points a game, uh, uh, we could be perfect. But there's a thing called human beings, and there's a thing called the other team. That's why it's hard to. Um, I think 1976 was the last time a team went undefeated, and that was uh, Coach Knight uh, had that really special team. And then uh, there was a Rutgers team, I think, in 77 that was close. Um, uh, Wichita State was close. Gonzaga's been close. But they have never done it. You know, you're going to lose. You know, in football, if you lose a game, you're probably eliminated from 10 bowls. You lose a game in basketball, it doesn't mean anything. You know, um, you know when we start the season, you know, we just want to be the best we can be uh, every single night. But if you play... 30 games a year, you're going to have some nights where you're not going to be at your best. The key is the next game. Next game is uh, Western Kentucky. And what would you have thought if I told you in November that you'd be playing Western Kentucky in late February? Well, if I, you told me that last week, I'd have had the same reaction. <laughs> Forget early season. I, they weren't even on the radar. Um, but, you know, we thought, you know, we went to East Carolina. You know, we're, we're trying to figure out when does East Carolina come back here? You know, they've been on pause. They can't. It's not their fault. It's just, you know, it's COVID. So um, we either not play someone, you know, once we put our feelers out, you know, there's not a lot of people that want to come here. You know, I got an email from somebody. Why don't we play Gonzaga? Well, where? <laughs> you, you wanna, how about we, how about we uh, uh, fly to Guam and play them? <laughs> you know, we could probably play them in Guam or Salt Lake or wherever. But, you know, it's got to fit. And uh, the only person that knows whether it fits or not is me. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, um, in some ways, does it make a lot of sense to play Western Kentucky? Um, but I wanted to play this game for our team. We need to play this game. We need a game. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of going to practice. You know, practice, like I said, can be counterproductive, but it also can be mundane. You know, we try to cut our practices down this time of year. But, you know, Quentin going against um, Tremont or Dejan's going against Shed or, or Sasser's going against this guy or Cam's going against every single day matchup after, you know, 
that, that, that gets old. They want to play somebody else. They get tired of hearing Coach blow his whistle and put him on the line. <laughs> they hear they get tired of getting beat up by the same guy. You know, that's why games this time of year is um, fun. And we're still trying to find our rhythm. Charles Bassey is the name that sticks out for Western Kentucky. He projected lotto, lotto pick, but it's a it's a really good program. They're much more than just Bassey. Keys to the game brought to you by Bud Light. When there's a game to watch, there's a Bud Light there. Just a couple comments on, on the opponent you're getting on Thursday. Well, every game that Bassey's on the floor, he's, they're always going to have the best player. He'll be on, he'll he'll be clearly the best player on the floor uh, Thursday night. He's a. Um, I remember watching him play against Nate in Spartanburg, South Carolina, in an AAU tournament. Um, I said, "Who's this dude?" He was playing on the team, I think, from San Antonio, but uh, he you could tell he was a pro. You know, most people don't know what pros are, uh, but I do. This kid was a pro. A P R O W pro. Um six ten, six eleven. I think he's shooting nine he's nine for twenty from the three point line, sixty one percent from the floor, uh eighty percent from the uh free th- uh free throw line, forty five percent from the three point line, sixty one for from the field. That's those are incredible numbers. But understand this team when we were supposed to play Alabama on December 19th, and that game got canceled because of our COVID issues, the team that Alabama got to play, play them was Western Kentucky. The problem is they scheduled a team that beat them. <laughs> Western Kentucky won at. So here we are doing the same thing. Uh, West Kentucky's, uh, they beat Alabama at Alabama. They beat Memphis. Um, and uh, they were up, I think, 10 with four minutes to go at West Virginia and uh, ran into some adversity, as you can only imagine, and wound up losing by six. But if you watch that game, it looked to me like Western Kentucky was the best team. So talented team. They've got uh, tremendous wings in uh, Anderson, Hollingsworth, and um, point guard solid. But they got a star. Outstanding coach in Rick Stansbury. Rick's been an SEC head coach for years and years. He and I have coached against each other a lot over the years. But uh, uh, tremendous respect. This, this is good for our kids, whether we win it or lose it. Now, obviously, we like to win it, but it's, you're playing an NCAA tournament team. This team will probably be an 8, 9, or 10 seed in the tournament that nobody will want to play. All right, wraps it up for us. Thanks for Mitchell Lee, Kelvin Sampson. I'm Jeremy Bryant. I'll talk to you next week on the Kelvin Sampson Show. On the Houston Sports Network from Learfield IMG College, you've been listening to the Kelvin Sampson Show. Tonight's show was brought to you by Bud Light. Whenever there's a game to watch, there's a Bud Light there. The preceding has been a Learfield IMG College presentation of the Houston Sports Network.